Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Ed Gross, and this is Voices from Krypton, where we speak superhero. Multifaceted seems like a good way to describe Kevin Caliber. He's an actor, producer, Marine veteran, bass player and singer, and fitness model. He's worked with Seth Rogen on Future Man, Tyler Perry on The Haves and Have Nots. He's the co-creator, producer, and star of Job Guys, a series available on Amazon Prime. He's also played Superman three times, once in the premiere episode of Supergirl, and then in the indie films Superman World War and Eradicator Absolute Authority. Kevin has been proving that he's all about the work, segueing from Hollywood productions to indie fan films, and being comfortable in either environment. In the conversation that follows, he provides some insight to his philosophy about acting, and of course, what it's like to play Superman and wear the S. So with you, I'm trying to get a sense of what your vision is for yourself, in the sense of, here you are, Supergirl, and Future Man, and then Superman World War, and other fan films, and things like that. What is your vision for yourself? (laughs) Because most actors don't do that. They don't go back and forth between, like, fan productions and professional productions. And I put professional in quotes. Uh, So yeah, that. (laughs) Well, with that, I think it's just something that I enjoy working with creative people and I'm not to the point where I can pick and choose so perfectly that I don't just stand on one big movie role a year. That would probably be more of the goal. I, I wish I could be in a studio type type setting where I am doing one, maybe two really large projects a year. But as of now, it's kind of gives me the opportunity to create and kind of just explore more options because I also do my own productions. And I'm pretty much always open to listening to what, what creators have to, have to offer. And over the years, I used to say yes to everything. And it really was just... I thought I was lucky to be on set and then it was getting that the getting the confidence and getting the experience that allowed me to then be able to actually start turning things down. That was a weird power that, that as an actor that some people never, never get. And I'm still not to the point where I could really turn things down that are, that are adequate. I still have, you know, managers and agents that push me towards whether it's paychecks or whatever, but it kind of comes down to following the passion and if, if there's a really fun fan film that's there, there's still, you know, if it's still a, a good SAG production and I'm still covered and getting paid and I enjoy what I do or not getting paid because I do some things that cost me money. I right. did my own series job, guys. That, that was completely out of pocket. I'm an executive producer on that. We spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of hours and dollars to make this happen. And it's just so we could have fun and create. And I knew that it was a team that I love creating with. So at the end of the day, really, it's about enjoying what you're doing, making people, making people happy. Nothing's worse than whenever I do a production or, or a project, and then it never sees the light of day. It's, it's really, it's really sad. And I get it that some people, they're just 
whether it never gets finished because they're, they're in over their heads and they realize how much work it is, or if it's one thing in their head and then they see the final product and it's not a 10 stars. And we, we judge ourselves really harshly as creators and nothing's ever as good as we envision it in our head, unfortunately, because we are our harshest critics. So therefore it's really easy to knock it. And I know there was days through the creative process, even with my you know, my series job guys or my film 16 bits that we're looking at dailies or we're, we're even looking at playback where we shoot a scene and I look at what we just saw on the monitor and I'm like, Oh, this is not what I wanted. Oh, can we make this better? And it's, you know, it's kind of the bad cycle of, of, of a creator is you're, you're excited about it. You get pumped. Then you start doing, you realize how much work it is. Then it's not as cool as you thought it was going to be. Then it gets to the point where you kind of hate it. And then it's, and then it's finally finished, you know, because uh, watching watching like early edits or rough cuts, it's brutal. It doesn't look good. It doesn't sound right. The color isn't there. But then as all the pieces get fall, start falling into place, at the end of the day, you can look at it, you're like, hey, you know what? That wasn't so bad. Like, uh, I'm proud of that. Like, whenever job guys finally showed up on like Amazon, it's it's one of those ones where to watch it and see my, you know, see the poster on like the main page. And I also compared it to whenever I was in a band because I played music for many years and whenever we like cut our album and I must've listened to that track or one of our main tracks, like 200 times, it's all I would play. I would play it for everybody. I'd listen to it in my car. And then all of a sudden it showed up on the radio and it's playing on the radio and it sounds different. It's there's something about hearing it on the radio as opposed to just hearing it on the CD and it was kind of the same as opposed to watching it on the computer while editing or even oh, you know sure. putting it, you know, broadcasting it to the TV. All of a sudden, oh man, it's on it's up, it's on Amazon, it's on Hulu, it's on Netflix. It's all of a sudden now you're finding yourself and it's funny because Amazon, it literally is a lower picture quality than what we've been watching. They have to dumb it down for streaming, and but yet it still feels more. It, right. it, it's uh, it's such a, such a great feeling, and to get to that is the ups and downs. To actually, get to that is just beyond. It's it's a it's a pretty wild ride. <laughs> and the show Job Guys, it's available for streaming on Amazon. Yes, yes, so Amazon Prime. So anybody who does have Amazon, it is free. We put up uh, there's a twelve episode season one all up there. They're not your full type of episodes. It's more the of the way that people are doing with the quicker episodes. So they're around 10 minute episodes. So you could watch the entire series all the way through and it plays a lot like a feature film. So that's gotta be a lot of fun though. Seriously, and not just fun, but fulfilling to, to have an idea to create it, bring it to life and then have it on Amazon prime. Absolutely. It's there's something there. There's just something about seeing it all the way through. And if I was to actually look and trace and, See, whenever we first first pitched the idea, the first people that were talking about it, we had another another actor attached in the in the my, uh, to be my co lead, and then he, you know, we had to recast, and then there's retooling, and then we did rewrites, and then as we're creating this, we're adding the characters. I'd never been a part of a complete process from start to finish right. to that magnitude. I did another series called Extrology that I was co writer and director on, but that one is that next level down. That one was just straight to straight to YouTube. It was a little bit, you know, of the, not, not of the, of the, you know, such a broad, higher quality. It was definitely more of what you think of whenever you think web series. And whenever, even when we started job guys, initially we're like, well, we could do a web series just thinking that this is what it was going to be. And 
two of my, my two, two, uh, you know, co-producers, it's, uh, my writer, Dave Beaudry and my director and editor, uh, Brooke Hubs. We, we just decided, and then we just kept adding to it and adding. And he's like, I could do effects. I could do this. And we brought in a really good composer and Brandon Rivera instead of, instead of just putting up, you know, like stock music that we've done, you know, for most of our projects in the past or, or just kind of doing generic cop outs that, you know, it's, it's filming could be, it's, it's amazing how you could do it. I've done productions with one person doing everything. I work with uh, the gentleman uh, at Blinky Productions. He's a one man show. He literally does everything just him. And that's what he's built his career around. And then whenever, you know, I've been on Marvel movies where I don't, I don't even know who the director is or who anybody is. Cause there's literally 70 people standing around doing stuff. And to be honest with you, most of them are just standing around. So you cannot tell what people are doing. I, I, I was even on uh, I worked a, a day on guardians of the galaxy too. And I was, I was pretty, pretty bummed because I never even like, like, I'm sure James Gunn is there. I know what oh, he looks geez. like. I yeah. never even saw him. You know, I'm, I'm on set with the man. He's from St. Louis, Missouri, as am I. I mean, he's one of my, you know, my favorite filmmakers. I'm on his set, and I literally don't know where he is. and <laughs> I don't see him. So it's it's funny the difference of of the, the smallest set to the biggest set and everything in between. Right. And I've lived... Like you say, I've kind of lived in between those worlds. I've been, I've been on a lot of Marvel sets, always in smaller roles, the stunts, the things like that. The, I do the military stuff, so I, I fall into the special ability category. That instead of bringing in actors and trying to teach them how to show, you know, hold weapons, they bring in military vets, and we go in there and make it look real. So, so it's it's amazing the the difference, and I, I do enjoy it all. It's, it's it also humbles you whenever. You go from one set with whenever just the catering is definitely more than what the entire film costs in another right. case. So, Well, when you and I had Superman Celebration and I spoke to you there for the first time, uh, you were talking about the differences between like shooting Supergirl and shooting Superman World War. And like it, you so you have the freedom and the opportunity to develop things the way you want to, but the scope of it is so much smaller than what you experienced on. I remember, I think you said, in fact, you were in the bathroom for Superman World War, like changing into your costume, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. And, yeah. I was, yeah, I was literally changing and I was worried because in public bathrooms, there's no lid on the toilet. It's just an open, open toilet. And it was so cramped in there. I was worried something was going to fall into the toilet. And as right. I'm putting on the costume, you know, it's uh, as I'm putting the legs on the arms of it are just dangling and, and uh, I'm worried about doing that. And uh, yeah, then, then you go on to Supergirl and there's literally three people helping me and I have an entire, an entire trailer and dressing room and, yeah. you know, multiple hands, everybody doing everything. So yeah, definitely a very wide scope there. Absolutely. You know, yeah, we do have to talk about the fact that this is a world this this world of Superman that you keep dipping back into, it seems, between Supergirl, Superman World War, and now what is it called? The Eradicator? Yeah, the Eradicator. That that is a and we're also happy to announce that we are gonna go back into the Superman world as well. That is one that we have officially officially gonna do a follow-up and we're gonna end that with a with a feature film. They're doing it kind of the set of a trilogy 
where where Superman World War obviously took place during World War Two. That was our, you know, that that of course was our origin and where it all began. And then they're doing Superman Legacy, which is going to be a modern day take. And then that's going to be our our finality. But in the classic trilogy form, obviously there's three three of them. So what were they doing to fill the gap is going to be a series of shorts that they're going to do because doing a feature film, especially on an independent level, is so much work. I mean, it's hard work for everybody anyway to do it. You know, obviously big studio films or small films. Every, every feature length film is a, so much work. It can be very overwhelming. So to kind of break that down into segments, and it also gives us a, an opportunity to expand more on characters where if it was just a weird 10 minutes in the middle of one of our Superman movies following this one person, it may feel a little jarring and off. So they're using it kind of like a comic book series where where it's like each one is almost going to be what would be considered a, a separate comic. Right. And then we'll go go into the bigger movie at the end. That'll kind of tie everything together, wrap it, wrap everything up very nicely. And um, we waited uh, long enough on that because, of course, we wanted to see how Superman went over. And the Superman fans really, truly are just the best fans that you could possibly imagine. It doesn't almost doesn't even matter if the movies are less than stellar and if people have the, the, the common public have issues with them because of course we know it, it became a popular thing to crap on justice league and crap on, you know, Batman versus Superman. But they're, they're ones that just, they, they, they don't accept that. It's just, no, it was good. Like, like I know people who have like Superman three tattoos, almost like ironically, because (laughs) obviously it's not hailed as a great movie, but they genuinely love it. Whereas it seems like every other movie or every other major character like that, like your Batman, you know, it became so popular, of course, to crap on the the late 90s Batman films. And nobody really stood by those the way that Superman fans still stand by, you know, Superman three and Superman four. And, you know, it like it's it's almost this cool thing where Christopher Reeve almost could do no wrong, because as long as he he still embodied Superman, no matter how high or low the quality was. And it's almost fun to look back at it and see some of the flying scenes that were done pretty cheaply. And and but they they, they don't, care. you know, the Superman fans just just love every bit of it. So when we got to step into that universe with Superman, just the the. Just the the reaction was so positive and so good. And of course, there's going to be some haters because haters are always going to be there, especially with the Internet world where, you know, people that would never say anything to your face could easily type it and send it off. And so but the 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 response was just so positive and just getting like millions of views. And so we just waited and we're we're waiting and then it got to the point where like yes we need to we need to follow this up we need to make another one i mean i was blessed to be invited to like superman celebration and other a couple of other things that just just being so welcome into that world and into that family it really is unlike any else so it really does have a soft spot in my heart and that might be one of the reasons why i keep wanting to do that because it's not for the paycheck. I mean, I, I, I do commercial work that I get 
paid better in a day than I got, you know, every bit that I've ever gotten from my entire lifetime earnings of Superman. Right. But it doesn't matter because it's not that fulfilling. There's the things we do for fun. And I really would would do it just for free if that that was, you know, don't tell the them case. That. It's uh, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I as long as you're as long as you're meeting my quota. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so and then and then with that, uh the the eradicator i'm gonna go ahead and jump jump into that the eradicator is a fun one that i wasn't very familiar with that after i had a pitch to me i did some research and it's a it's a really cool type of superman it's not your classic superman of course anybody who knows or does not know what the eradicator is is he's actually more uh you could probably say it better than i can because i'll probably bastardize it but he seems to be more of a he he embodied the or he took over the body, but he is more, more, more machine or what, what not almost like the more, more of like the Terminator where he has a, you know, more, more pinpoint. He's not emotional. He's not any of that. And right. you know, it's still the fight for justice. So technically he still is a good guy. He's just a little more of, of the, the bad guy type, which is kind of cool because I always kind of saw myself more as that. Like I loved the Punisher. I loved some of these guys that just, don't hold back. Like bad guys deserve certain treatments and somebody like the Punisher would always treat them that way. Or Batman. It's that, that going down a certain way. And then of course with Superman, his big thing was he would never kill anybody. He would never do certain things. And of course that's what makes the stakes even higher. And whenever he does. So the eradicator is certainly the more hardcore, uh, you know, not, not as cheery, not as emotional, just nothing is, everything's turned off and he just takes care of business. So, so I decided to do, to do that. And we're still going to be a ways off before Superman, uh, legacy comes out or we haven't even started making it yet. We do have the script for it, but it's going to be so far out that I decided the timing was, it's been long enough since I've had that opportunity. And like I said, just the way it was presented to me with a different type of Superman, because of course my first time was in Supergirl where I didn't really get to do much. It just, you know, was kind of there and there in the suit. And then of course, Superman, I got to delve into playing Clark Kent as well as Superman. It was so much fun to be able to take those, those two sides of the character and then bring them both to life. So this is going to be a completely different one. Like no offense to anybody who loves doing the same character. I, I play the same character. We all ha- every actor has their tropes and their characters that they play. Like I, I play a lot of cops and I play a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, leading men type that, but the, it, it's about making each one their own. And whenever I'm a cop, am I a good cop? Am I a bad cop? Am I a charming cop? Am I mean? Am I, you know, right. there's, there's a million ways to play a cop that, you know, I don't want to go into every single cop role and play it the exact same, that even though I'm putting on a super suit, I don't like going into every Superman role thinking that I will play every one of them the same way as well, that there is still room for creativity and room to just bring it to life in a cool way to do something different, get to just the delivery would be different. The physicality, I'm a very physical, physical actor. So I enjoy just, just the posture, just the way of standing differently. Cause it's, it's funny how, how just standing more confidently with your shoulders back and your chest out and your chin up makes you look so much more different than if you're just kind of slouching and bad posture. And it's just, uh, it's a lot of fun to play with body language as much as, you know, speech patterns. And, and with the Superman, it's amazing how much you can even have just within that. It's a, it's a lot of fun to explore. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And and bringing that and you're being given opportunities to play sort of different versions of Superman in the sense of, OK, you have the real established Superman, even though it's very brief in Supergirl. You've got the guy at the beginning of his career in Superman World War. And now you've got this entirely different take with the Eradicator. And I think that's pretty cool. Those opportunities to, to sort of dip into it in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And anybody who does know the Superman universe, they always say, oh, which which one are you? Are you classic? Are you, you know, and then whenever we did Superman and it was like, no, this is going to be the Max Fleischer and people were, oh, my God, I've never seen that before. And I love that the that the costume is a little different and that it's just not your not your classic take on it. It's just trying to be, you know, trying to tell it because there's such a storyline there and so, so much history and and lineage and types of of characters and ways that you could do it that with with doing the films that we did we were fortunate enough that we could almost cherry pick what we wanted to take because of course there's so many villains throughout the history that you could choose from and there's so many different looks and feels and vibes that it's fun to it's fun to just kind of Take what you want because we have uh, we ha- we do have a lot of freedoms whenever it comes to that while still staying in that universe. So it's definitely a lot of a lot of good stuff and a lot of fun of just being able to expand on any one of those little things that that we choose. Now, was this a character that played any sort of role in your life, or is this something you sort of had to research and get into once you were got the role? I, I would say it's a little bit of both. I, of course, we all we all knew Superman growing up. It was I, I, I grew up uh, with both Christopher Reeves and George Reeves. Both I watched a lot of Nick at Night as, as a kid in the in the in the eighties and nineties. It was a lot of the, that era of TV. So that's what my parents watched. So I watched what my parents watched, and and my dad was always a big fan. He used to give me little tidbits about about George Reeves, and of course, being a child of the eighties, it was the original. You know, of course, right. the, the uh, you know, uh, and so it was a lot of that. And but it was something that I kind of fell off on. I don't know if it's just because it was out of that type of the, the movie universe, at least was out of, you know, public out of the public for the entire night. It wasn't until Superman Returns. Right. And then I was I was a li- little underwhelmed with with Superman Returns, to say the least. It was it wasn't something because. It wasn't necessarily the cool, the edgy, you know, there was definitely something to these other things that come out. Like whenever, I think right around that time is whenever uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man came out and they were just, they felt more, more cool, more fun. Even now it's, it's weird as much as Superman has always been in this front position to lead the pack. He always, it's always positioned a little differently in the public eye. Like obviously Marvel, that the MCU has been so much stronger and just, you know, more, people have been more receptive to it than the DC universe as, as a whole. So it's always kind of been this thing that's, that's been, been there, but it wasn't really like my thing. Like I wasn't diehard Superman. I always, like I said, I grew up with it. I appreciate it. I really liked it. And then whenever they did start expanding out or I started getting, I say offers and opportunities, then I definitely, delved into it more and a lot of it was just trying to be being reminded of of how how much i liked it and once you start going down that going down that that rabbit hole it's just it all it all kind of came flooding back that i remember you know the the sunday morning cartoons i remembered all these different things and we're having having the toys as a kid and it was like oh right because even the superman toys as a kid 
that was kind of replaced by uh, Ninja Turtles for me. Right. And it was just every little thing, whether it was the movies, you know, obviously, Bat, you know, Batman, you know, Burton's Batman comes out in 89 or 90 or whatever. It kind of makes you forget, you know, they, they were just so different, newer and cooler than what where the Superman world was at the time that it just kind of went went in that direction. So I really like that that now it's, uh, you know, with the movies and, of course, everything that they're doing on the CW, they're just able to to expand this universe so far oh, yeah. and even to crossovers it's really become just such a cool thing where i feel like that would have been blasphemy some years ago like we're gonna have two supermans yeah right and it was Superman great heads, it was great know? having those supermen on it so on the crossover uh the multiple yes yeah. yeah no it's very cool but now there's a fanboy question but does it mean anything standing there in the uniform for you like once you put the costume on what does that bring with it I- anything Absolutely. That'll never, ever, ever get old. It's just something that even even whenever I went and did the photo shoot for the Eradicator and just putting on like a new suit that it's like, oh, oh, this one, this one has this and this. Oh, okay. And now I'm doing the research on that. And it's just every time it goes on because I didn't wear I didn't put on a suit for it was a while. It might have been from Superman Celebration. I might have went two full years because I did the Superman Celebration. And then this year we did it virtually. And I suited up for that and um, did the opening video welcoming everybody. And I think that that was the first time that I had put it on. So I might have gone two years without actually putting on the suit and and uh, I have a girlfriend now that I have, you know, haven't been with for for that long. So it was the first time that like she had seen me in the suit, and there was just something about it that I started to put it on. And I came out and I turned around and I just said, "Hey, will you zip me up?" And she zips me up, and I just like, did, and it's like I I could feel it that I kind of on purpose I do the slow turn. It's like I'm revealing that you know the shield right. to her of me in costume for the first time. And it's like, and it's just like the slow turn. And I just kind of look at her and then let her like take in what she's seeing. And it's like, I get such a joy out of that. that It's like, it's something I don't know if it'll ever get old. And it was just, it's, it's pretty funny to think that I'm like doing it for this one, one, uh, you know, one reaction, like yeah. really almost, almost hamming up and embodying it. But once you do put that on, it's almost like I, my posture is different. The way I walk around is different. There's something about the moment that it goes on, you have to do it respect and justice and just it's the chest, chest slightly out, you know, it's uh, just a little slightly more exaggerated because you literally have to walk and feel and talk like a superhero. That it's almost a funny thing that, like I was saying, you, you you have the, 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 the posture of this. And then the moment that it comes off, I could put my street clothes back on and then instantly my body's just a little bit more relaxed. And my, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely something that, uh, that I feel every single time it goes on. Now, what was her reaction to you? Did it, in the costume, when you turned around, you reveal it. Now you could just be some dude standing there in a Superman costume, or did she have an actual response to like to suddenly seeing you like that? She definitely had a response. You see it in the face of just like the 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 slight light up, and I could tell that it definitely it was definitely worth it. Yeah, and because she's of course watched that watched the film. I have a few pictures of of myself and, and suit around. So it's one of those ones that you know. I guess she's in a way used to, but we still see it almost like, 
almost like I, I've gotten to work with some of my some of my heroes and people that I really respect in, in the world and in the industry. All of a sudden I see them on set and it's funny because now they're just like a guy. Right. If it's I, you know, I saw like Matt Damon and Crappy, and I'm just like, oh my God, it's like Matt Damon. I was like, like, huh, just a dude. And then we go on set. And then he's walking around on set and delivering on, but now he's this character. And it's like, oh, that is not the same guy that I saw in Crafty. Right. Now it's, <laughs> right. you know, movie star or what, whatever it is. Oh, now now there's an A-lister there. And sometimes it's kind of funny whenever those lines do cross a little bit because I've had also had the opportunity with doing, with doing Future Man of working with Seth Rogen. And I never actually got to act with him, but he was an executive producer as well as starred on the show. So he would, he would go to the table reads and he would, he would be on set and I'd see him at the rap party. Like he's this guy that's always kind of a, kind of around. And it's funny because he was actually very, you know, kind of quiet, quiet and shy. And I don't know, shy is the word. Maybe he just kept to himself. He, and, but it, it was kind of different of like, Oh, this is uh, you know a, a movie star, that, and then kind of the same thing. Whenever I worked with Tyler Perry, because I worked directly with him for him, he was not on camera, but he is the writer and director, and that's for the show, the haves and the have-nots. And it's one of those where, whenever he comes into the room, it's almost that oh, it just commands so much respect. But then I've also been his friend, and he's invited me over to his house for like movie nights with the guys and. And now it's like, oh, this is this is one of the most successful people in the entertainment industry over the last like 20 years. Like right. this guy's going to going to have his own network if he doesn't all if the wheels aren't already in place. I mean, Tyler Vision is going to be a thing. And and it's funny to think like, oh, he's just a regular guy. Yeah. And he's just oh, this is but this is the same guy that also you know, runs five shows and, you know, comes out with four movies a year. Like it's just the biggest workhorse that, you know, you could, you could imagine. So, so it's kind of funny that, that t differentiating between the person and the character and the persona. And even with like Tyler, Perry, he's hilarious because he, he does all the writing. So he's literally pulled out a script and sat there and read off of a script from a scene that we're getting ready to do. And he does voices because, of course, he's Tyler Perry. And in the Medea universe, he does, you know, so many different characters. But he's pretty hilarious in the sense that he sits there and he does everybody's voice. And you know what character it is. Like, we don't, we're not even looking at the script. We know what character right. he's doing just by the voice because he's doing parodies of us. And as he's doing, he even does like my, you know, my character, my character is Leo. And I'm like, did he just like, he sounds like the, the, uh, like Medea's brother. <laughs> you ever seen those movies? I was like, I guess that's the voice that he is. That's funny. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's pretty funny to even like, 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 see, like see that and just be, be in that. And that's one of my favorite things about, about what I do is just the, the process to me is so much fun. Some people are, put themselves through hell. They, Oh, don't talk to me. I'm in character. I need to go to this emotional place or I'll be in my trailer where me, I just enjoy being on set. I enjoy, enjoy creating. I, I love working with creative people and just seeing it happen in front of me. And then you, then you see it on, whether it's on the monitor playback. And then eventually, like you say, you see it on, you know, on, on TV or, you know, on, on a streaming platform and just seeing the whole process is really is just, just really does it for me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, I, I think I kind of wrap this up a little bit here is I, I do wonder, given the world we're in now with protests and pandemics and 
whatever your political side is, the, you know, the political situation, whatever your feeling is about it. Is there a role for Superman in this world still? You know, that's a good question. I was kind of asking, asking myself that recently I had a pretty good discussion with that and that it's so funny because everything is so polarizing nowadays and you can't, you can't say anything without offending somebody else. It's the whole, you know, black lives matter, all lives matter, Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Like you're, you can't, you, you, you can't say anything without somebody being offended. And with the way of Superman, how we supposed to just be, you know, this just, just for the good. And it's just so weird that like, even the idea of, of being, no, well, that's ridiculous. And why is he, you know, like, is there a preferential treatment to anybody? And what is this? And that, and it's a, it's a weird thing, but I think that, I think the world hopefully will always need um, Superman. I think because it's such a, it's such a symbol like for good that, that you really hope that it doesn't matter if you're a, you know, a social justice warrior. So, so is he, he's alongside you. Or if you're, no, I am all for, you know, the cops because the the police force do good. It's like, well, good. He's for that too. Yeah. But I think we should defund the police because there's bad cops. Yeah. He's for that too. And <laughs> it's, it's kind of a cop out to say like, yes, he, in a way he, he agrees with everybody, but because there's the opposite side of that coin is that no matter what you say can be twisted, used used against you. And you know what they say, it's not enough to, to not be racist. You have to be at, you know, actively anti-racist. And right. it's, well, you, you know, like, well, now you're offending somebody else who, you know, whether it's their beliefs that they've, you know, they've been handed down from their families for hundreds of years. And it becomes such a weird thing. It's such a, a fine line to tread on with, with people saying, no, well, that's, uh, you know, being anti-racist really starts, in my opinion, starts to delve into being almost anti-American. And that's, that, that that's a tough thing to, to take because it's like I was a military veteran and I am from a Missouri, which is a red state, but I live in, you know, the liberal capital of Los Angeles and, and I'm really divided right down the middle. I'm about as purple as you get. And I could see, and I'm also not, not easily swayed, but I also believe in passion where people can say anything passionately. I'm pretty like, yeah, that's very true. Right. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I'm, I'm listening. I, I really try to be a good active listener and try not to talk at people because I think that's one of the problems is that people nowadays are, if you don't agree with me, you're wrong type mentality. And and then it gets into name calling and it gets into this and that. And it's like, well, why, how come I can't be proud to be an American for all, all of the you know, flaws and all? It's, it's a weird, weird thing to kind of that we're in the middle of. I, I hope that it's something that doesn't just continue to get worse because yeah. – with the two sides being being the way that they are and just be it seems to be driving further and further apart like that to me what felt like like say racism was where it's just the two sides being driven further and further apart and that's where you get your segregation and everything else and unfortunately you know we've tried for you know years and years to try to dissolve and get past but it seems like with the putting the lines you know further and deeper it just seems to make it worse so Hopefully that's something that uh, that we could get by, and somebody like Superman could hopefully uh, find the find the good in every situation. And whenever it's not good, he could you know he's the type of symbol that could try to make it good and do his best. And that was another thing with uh, with the the last couple movies. 
with also in Superman's almost like portrayed as a bad guy because of his beliefs. And it's, right. uh, it's a, it's a, it's a weird thing, you know, how you, how, how powerful it is to twist anything. And, and I think with Superman, I think what made him not as cool is it's kind of the same thing that like Captain America gets where it's kind of the slack that he gets where Captain America isn't very cool. Like Iron Man was cool, you know, Captain, yeah, Captain America so- got cool. <laughs> Chris Evans yeah. made Captain America cool. I mean, I'm sorry, but he is absolutely yeah. yeah. So it, it's such a it's such like a funny like like balance there of like, well, what is what is okay? Can we can we root for for someone? Because I'm also the type that I also root for the bad guys sometimes in movies. Because sometimes the bad guys are cool. <laughs> it's, right. uh, it, it makes it it makes it tough. That's where the anti villain or anti-hero really became a thing there for, for years that'll, that is still not going to go anywhere. And my favorite one was like, say Dexter, where, where anybody remember that one, he's a, he's a serial killer, but he only kills bad people. Right. You're like, Oh, okay. That's kind of, kind of what the Punisher is. Punisher is yeah. definitely a serial killer. There's just murders everybody, but they're all bad. Exactly. I don't, that's not Superman's way, but uh, you know, Superman's a little more, let's, uh, let's try and sort this out. And I'm a, you know, I'm gonna bring justice upon you and put you in jail. Where I think, uh, you know, there there will always be a place for that. Hopefully, I think it's kind of the cooler heads prevail, and I think Superman's supposed to be the cooler head that prevails. And hopefully, the S still inspires something in the turn in the sense of hope. I hope. You know, that's my hope anyway, that it's a lot of hope. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people forget that, that that's yeah. what it actually stands for. You know, it really is. And, and I think in today's world, I think it's the, it's the hope that we, we need to try and hold on to and carry because like anything else, there's a few bad apples that are bad seeds that really just ruin it for everybody else. You know, like, uh, I don't know how many police there are in America, but it's a shame that a couple of them, couple of those got to ruin it for everybody else i i work in entertainment i've had a couple bad wardrobe people that just treated me like crap and were mean to me and i'm like god i hate wardrobe yeah, people. Right. i'm like where really it's probably just a couple i caught somebody on the bad day and got the brunt of it and you know i can't hold it against every wardrobe person you know exactly. there's a lot of good ones out there That's so right. so it's 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 tough to put out put out those those blanket statements of you, you know, things like that, because even with like, say, say the police, like, yes, it is super wrong, unfortunate, terrible, evil that what some of them have done. But there's also like doctors out there that have been trying to do good and have accidentally killed people, whether it was due to yeah. malpractice, whether it was due to, you know, them trying something new. And then, that you know, then they people end up dying from that. And it's. You know, it's not something that you would pick it and say, oh, you know, nope, stop going to doctors. It's like, well, no, <laughs> right. it's still a it's still a thing. So it's it's unfortunate that that's uh, that's what it is. But uh, the Superman asks, you know, stand for hope. I really hope that that it is something that will forever be there because it, it really is just supposed to inspire and be positive. You can catch Kevin in Job Guides on Amazon Prime and on YouTube in both Superman World War and Eradicator Absolute Authority. And you can make our day super by subscribing to this podcast, giving us a five-star review, and telling your friends about us. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.